Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Buck Sanders and Jason Staples. A little bit different preview show today. Buck steps in for Greg as Greg is out in Portland following the basketball team. So, Buck, I'll go to you first. A lot's been talked about this week in preparation for NC State you know, North Carolina's bowl game or whatever you want to call it. State favored by, what, 16 and a half at the moment. But as your column or as many stories on the website have talked about, who's favored usually doesn't matter too much in this ball game. Well, Greg Barnes actually did a tremendous article about that a couple of days ago. And there's just – there's no question that being favored in this game may actually be – you know, a uh, bad sign because uh, you can go and look at Greg's article, but I want to say that North Carolina is like one in two when they're favored by double digits and NC State is one in three when they're favored by double digits. So as with most rivalry games, pretty much anything can happen. But, uh, yeah, in this particular game, North Carolina is going to have to overcome some really serious obstacles to to pull off the upset, in my opinion. Jason, before we break down the game itself, why do you think that's the case? I mean, everybody talks about throw the records out the window in rivalry games, but is it really that when it comes to North Carolina, North Carolina State? I mean, I don't follow a lot of other schools to know how that usually shakes out, but if you're favored by a 12 and a half as State was back in 1999, you shouldn't lose 10 to 6 like they did in Charlotte, or Carolina certainly had those numbers for them and then lost the game as well. Your take on why this rivalry seems weird like that? It's a rivalry. I don't know that it's that weird, frankly. I mean, that's what happens in rivalry games, (laughs) is teams that there's a reason you say don't throw the record book out, and I think you throw the the odds out to some degree in in, uh, rivalry games as well. So let's – Start looking at it a little bit, but your column from Wednesday, the numbers do not look well for North Carolina. The biggest part, and I think will be the key, and I want your take on it, and then we'll go back and forth, is I don't think NC State needs to throw the ball to play North Carolina. They've had success powering North Carolina. You and I kind of going back and forth off air and through text. Um, you think State will still do their normal game plan, or do you think State may do something different for North Carolina? I don't know about normal game plan, and but this year they've been relying more on throwing the ball, I think, uh, for good reason. Uh, they don't have Matt Days uh, like they had a year ago. They've had some guys banged up, and we don't know for sure if Nyman Hines is going to be able to go in this game. Looks like he may be able to. You know, they've got some weapons, and and the big one that uh, North Carolina I don't think has any answer for is Jalen Samuels. 
And Ryan Finley has been slinging the ball really well this year. In fact, a lot of people believe he might go relatively high in the uh, NFL draft. I mean, not as high as some of the West Coast guys, but still, you know, a relatively high pick um, in the NFL draft. So I think this team, the NC State team this year, is built a little bit different than the team was last year and rely on the throwing the ball a little bit more than they did. So, you know, they they may back it down and they may try to force North Carolina to stop the run. But in, in my opinion, I think that's a mistake. I think you are who you are at this point in the season. You dance with the girl that you brought. And uh, so I, I expect North Carolina, uh, North Carolina State to throw the ball in this game. And I, I think they would be foolish not to. Jason, let's look at North Carolina's approach on defense to the NC State offense. Carolina has, we've talked about it, struggled to stop the run, given up some catastrophic plays, though that has been better in the last couple of weeks. Granted, it was Pitt in Western Carolina. But does Carolina sell out to stop the run against NC State? Or how do you think the North Carolina defense approaches this ballgame uh, being aggressive has paid off at times, has hurt at times. Your thoughts on how Papuchas and his defensive staff will go at NC State and Raleigh? I, I do want to actually fire back a little bit at Buck on this. and that that's As that, you usually do. Yeah, that's that for the, uh, the, the last year's NC State offense versus this year's NC State offense, you're right that, that this year's doesn't run it as well. Mostly, again, like you said, that that Matt Days isn't around. You're, they're riding Naheem Hines and others. But, uh, you know, you got uh, Naheem Hines and uh, Reggie last Gillespie are, are their, are their pro- primary guys. So last year, they were averaging about 0.4 yards more per carry against FBS competition and then managed to average about a yard and a half above that against North Carolina. 4.89 yards per carry. Given that, coming into this game, they're averaging a little bit less. They're not quite as successful. But you have to think, again, you go back to what you, what you did really well last year with a lot of the same personnel. Even though you don't have days, you've got a lot of the same personnel. So you're going to at least try to see if you, can, if you can bludgeon Carolina the same way. And then if I'm Papuchas, to answer your question, Tommy, I think to stop Finley, you have to first make NC State one-dimensional. And you look at the, at the games that they've lost and their games where their running game has been shut down. So they averaged 2.54 yards per carry against South Carolina. They averaged, well, a game they, they won against Florida State, 2.97. That was one that they won very close. But then... 2.08 yards per carry against Notre Dame. Lost that one. And then just lost to Wake Forest at 4.17. The, the exception there is the loss to Clemson, where they, they average 4.5. But for the rest of the year, generally speaking, when they've run the ball well, when they've had a higher per carry average, they've won the game. And those stats don't correlate quite as well to when Finley's had good numbers. He's generally played pretty well across the board. So you kind of have to assume that Finley's going to get some of his yards. You just have to make sure they don't get big plays in that regard. 
but I think you have to make them one dimensional. I think you have to make them try to beat you over the top on some deep stuff. You try not to give up big plays on anything where they can catch it and run with it. But I think you try to make them beat you over the top and you try to try to restrict what Finley does in the short passing game and restrict what they're able to do in the running game. And I think you're a lot better off. Buck, your thoughts on that? I mean, I think this is a game where you, your guy KJ Sales has got to play well, has got to tackle in space. But that's true for everybody in the defensive backfield and for the linebackers. I personally think that this game is won or lost for North Carolina on the defensive line. We'll talk about NC State's defensive line in a little bit, but if Carolina's defensive front can cause trouble, stop the run, and get pressure on Finley, I think Carolina's got a chance, Buck. Your thoughts? Well, we have heard, sort of, that North Carolina expects both Cole Holcomb and Casey Collins to play. Now, the injury report won't come out until tomorrow. I assume, I don't even know if they do it tomorrow since it's a holiday, but and by the way, happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. Going back to what Jason said, yeah, I, I do think NC State will try to run the ball more. And running the ball well in this game has usually rewarded the team that can do that the best with the victory. So there's no question in my mind that North Carolina State will definitely uh, try to make some hay on the ground against North Carolina. On on the other hand, I don't know that at this point of the season that North Carolina is as vulnerable to the run as they were. Now, again, we don't know about Holcomb. We don't know about Collins. A lot's going to depend on those guys. But Jalen Dalton has been playing and getting healthy. And, you know, they've got some guys on the defensive line, Crawford, Dalton, you know, on the interior, Jeremiah Clark, Jason Strobridge, guys that can help prevent NC State from gashing uh, North Carolina up the middle. So it'll be interesting to see what approach that uh, NC State takes. I think they'll try something different. I don't think they're going to copy the model like uh, Jason. I disagree with Jason on this. I don't think they're going to try to copy the same model they used last year just because that's what North Carolina expects them to do. So we'll see how that all plays out. But you're right that North Carolina's defensive line really has to step up in this game. And in particular, if North Carolina is down a couple of linebackers, they're going to need those guys on Saturday, no question. Jason, your thoughts on getting pressure on Finley? He's not the most mobile guy, but he moves well enough in the pocket and and can make some throws on the run. But like you mentioned, in games that he's had his best numbers, State hadn't always played their best. So I think their game's predicated on the run, but Carolina's approach to Finley, I think a guy like Malik Carney, if he's healthy, could have a good game, needs to have a good game. Your thoughts on pressuring him and how Carolina goes about doing it? I think the most important thing with Finley is you have to be able not only to get pressure with your front four, but you've also, he gets rid of the ball really quickly. So you're not going to get a lot of sacks. You're not going to get, as much in the way of hitting him as you'd like in general. I think the other thing in this game is how how much can you affect his passing lanes? Carolina's got some guys that have some length up front. Your Daltons and some of those guys who are, you know, 6'5", 6'6", 6'7". 
Clark. I think, yeah, Clark is another one. I think those guys are guys where you, you want to try to compress the pocket and get hands up to disrupt him and make him uncomfortable in a tighter space so that as he's trying to get the ball out quickly, he's having to throw around guys. He's having to worry about, about deflections, things like that, as much as actually just getting pressure. That said, I do think that their, their offensive line has been banged up a little bit, hasn't always protected him the best. You go to the Notre Dame game and some of these others. There's some chances to, to get some pressure. But like I said, I think the most important thing is just find ways to make him uncomfortable and break his rhythm in a lot of that short passing game. Some of that might be pressing at different times and against their receivers. Some of that is just making sure that you affect his passing lanes and things like that. But he's not somebody you can just sit back in a spot drop zone and expect him to miss. He's going to be pretty accurate, particularly in that short to intermediate area. So you have to find ways to make him uncomfortable. Yeah, if he's given time, like you said, that he will find Samuel all over the field and do work. And, uh, you know, he's done that pretty much all year. But you're right, Carolina's got to get their hands up. They did well against Western Carolina doing that, batting a few balls. When we come back from break, we're going to switch to the other side of the ball with Jason Staples and Buck Sanders. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We'll be right back. And we're back. And, Jason, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to flip-flop it here. I'm going to start with you on the Carolina's approach on offense. I think everybody talks about Bradley Chubb, and he's certainly the loudest and most demonstrative of of the (laughs) NC State linemen and gets the most press, but they're pretty good across that front line. Carolina's approach to that, I think Carolina's got to have some success running the ball, and they got to figure out a way to keep uh, the quarterback clean in this ball game more often than not. Yeah, and again, I think a lot of that has to do with getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly, finding ways, and this is something that Fedora has always done a really good job of, of finding ways to get quick passes out on constraint plays, whether that's a bubble or some kind of RPO tagged with the run play, different things to to force the defense not to just come downhill all the time. You want to run that draw against those defensive ends to keep them from getting upfield so quickly. There's just different things you have to do to keep them off balance. You can't just go out and run a bunch of intermediate drops against this team. No matter how good your offensive line is, that defensive line is probably top five or six in the country, and they will get after the quarterback without question. So to me, you you make sure that you're throwing the ball to your back out of the backfield. With Nathan Elliott, one of the concerns is he's a little bit smaller in, in terms of stature. So his ability, once the pocket compresses to get the ball out, can sometimes be affected a little bit more than somebody who's just a little bit bigger in that in that regard. So sometimes you may want to move him a little bit or, again, use some RPOs, that sort of thing, to give him quick reads to get the ball out quickly. Those are some of the things that you can do against that kind of defensive line. The other rule of thumb, too, is in the running game, there's an old rule of football that if you can't block them, option them. Basically, what that means is if you've got a a defensive lineman that your guys are really struggling to block, or a linebacker even, that your guys are struggling to block, you don't assign a blocker to that guy. You, You option that guy so that whichever decision he makes, it's wrong. And I think that's where, you, again, you you run read option, you do different things like that to slow those guys down and keep them from just being able to whip the guy across from them and, and come downhill. 
And again, that's all the kind of stuff that Fedora does best. And they should be able to do some of that in this game and might have a little more success in that regard than some people expect coming in. Look, I remember, I think it was 2005, maybe in Raleigh. I know there's been some discussion on Inside Carolina message boards. State had Mario Williams. They had the other guy on the other end. And John Bunning and his Carolina offense came out and ran it straight at him. And I remember Barrington Edwards running straight at him. And Carolina ended up winning that game to the consternation of all of the NC State fans I was with that day in Carter-Finley, as well as the rest of them. So your thoughts on Carolina's plan of attack in that regard? I like the option idea, um, but they've got to figure out a way to move Chubb out of the way, but they have to do it quickly because the delayed stuff, I think, just doesn't work against a defensive line like NC State. Yeah, I I don't look for North Carolina to pull a lot of uh, slow-developing plays in this game because that would be suicide. One of the things that Elliott has been really good at is he's good at getting rid of the ball when there's nothing there. So, you know, as far as his play, I think it's going to be critical. Is he going to try to hang on to make a play? I think uh, you go back to Marquise Williams, for example, is the name that comes to mind, is sometimes Marquise would just try to make a play uh, even when the play had broken down, and sometimes that worked, and sometimes it backfired. And Elliot is a little bit more mentally channeled in the direction of, if there's nothing there, I'm going to get rid of the ball. I'm going to throw it out of bounds. I'll take off and get a couple of yards, but I'm not going to hang on to it for too long. If he does that on Saturday, that'll give North Carolina their best opportunity to stay out of third and 17, you know, after State gets a big sack or, you know, kind of, help stay ahead of the chains. Jason, a guy like Anthony Ratliff-Williams, this is another game that gives him the opportunity to show his stuff. I think he needs a big game on offense, and then we'll talk about the third phase of the game after this. But on offense, he's got to at least provide some deep looks and then have an Austin Prohl that can manage inside on the interior routes certainly helps Carolina, helps Elliott in attacking this state defense. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some, based on what we saw last week and what we've seen the first first three weeks where we've really seen Elliott, I think there's some some concerns coming into this game. And, and uh, you know, they, they need to make sure he's as well protected as possible. And he, he hopefully uh, will make sure that when they do get their opportunities downfield, that, that he can really let it rip. But, you know, State's a, a, def- a better defense than played the last two weeks for sure. Coverage is going to be tighter, and he's going to have to fit balls into windows that against, against Miami he wasn't really able to do. So I think there's reason for concern there. Having Prol back, like you said, is a huge factor, Part, not just in terms of being able to beat guys on the inside, but just in terms of Prol is, is, again, he's a guy that can get open just against just about anyone. So even though state has states better defensively than what they've seen the last couple of weeks, Prol's a guy where you, you can pretty well count on it as a quarterback that when you drop back, that guy's going to find a way to create space. So the windows there can be a little bigger than they will be against most of the other guys. Again, there's some concerns as you move the throws a little further down the field as to whether or not they're going to be able to get some of those splash plays that they need to. That's where Prol and uh, Ratliff Williams and, and that group are going to have to win some jump balls and things down the field as well for Carolina to win this game. But 
I think you can find ways with Elliot, especially with the way that he's grabbed the leadership of this team. You can find ways to cater to the stuff that he's comfortable with and just try to avoid putting him into spots where he's going to have to fit some fit balls into tight windows. And I think you, I think you can do all right as long as the defense holds up enough that you're not playing from behind all game. But special teams will be huge again this week. I think Jason thinks, what do you think? Well, yes, special teams will be, will be big. Uh, In terms of field position, it always is. ARW uh, has done a pretty good job on kickoff returns. Uh, Prohl had a nice return last week. In in terms of special teams, you know, I I think you got to uh, North Carolina at least needs a wash there. They don't need to allow NC State to gain the advantage in in terms of better field position and and those sorts of things. I, I think Jason may have something more specific on his mind than I do, but at the same time, I, I think North Carolina needs to at least get a wash, if not do a little better in special teams than NC State does to win this game. Yeah, Jason, your thoughts there. I, I'll say this. Well, two points. Why do teams continue to kick to Ratliff Williams on the kickoffs? <laughs> and also, talk a little bit about Carolina's punt protection because that's been an issue. And NC State, you know, if they get that, then that can get them rolling. Your thoughts on both of those? Well, first of all, uh, addressing the punt, the punt thing, the couple punt blocks have just been a small matter of attention to detail on two different plays where you've had a player – in the one in one one case, a player just didn't didn't get a hand on the guy he was responsible for, and on the other, you had a player on the shield who violated rule number one of the shield, and he let he let a guy inside him cross his face. So the schemes are sound; they've not had a whole lot of those problems in the past under Fedora. And in this kind of game, I, I have a hard time thinking that they're going to have those kinds of lapses. Now, as as for what Buck was saying in terms of coming out as a you know, no more than a wash on special teams. I actually think it's it's more of a situation where Carolina needs to win special teams in this game to win the game. And there's a decent chance that Carolina does win special teams in this game. So if you look at Bill Connolly's S&P Plus, NC State's special teams rating is 114th in the country. North Carolina's is 33rd. So neither team is exactly elite in special teams, but UNC has been a lot better on special teams in 2017 than NC State. And that's in particular with place kicking stuff, such as NC State's kickoff success rate. So where the where the ball ends up after a kickoff is 114th in the country. North Carolina has one of the best kickoff return units in the country, like you said, Tommy, it's hard to figure why people keep kicking to Anthony Ratliff-Williams. And my guess is that NC State will probably not want to do that, given how they've had so much trouble covering kicks in 2017, which means that Carolina should get a nice benefit in hidden yardage after every kickoff, because they're going to get good special teams, most likely, after each kickoff, which puts them in a better position to score some points. The other thing is, Carolina's been very good, or good at least in place kicking on the year for the most part they've been you know decent nc state's one of the worst teams in the country in terms of place kicking if they don't score a touchdown there's a real good chance they're missing the field goal 
So that's a factor in, in rivalry games. When things go a little squirrely, a lot of times you see those special teams end up being the thing that decides the game where you have a, a kick block or you have a, a long touchdown return from a punt or a kickoff. You have something that happens or all the missed field goals and all the, the various rivalries that, you know, everybody in any given rivalry can mention, you know, oh, you know, the kick, you know, or the, you know, the multiple wide rights wide or right. the, wide, yeah, yes. the wide lefts or whatever. I mean, there's all sorts of these or the bobbled snap. There's the kicking game in special teams can never be ignored. And that's an area where I think North Carolina has a clear edge coming into this game. If they're going to win the game, they need to win the kicking game. And they've got a decent chance of doing so. The question is by how much. The one danger to this is Naheem Hines would be, I believe, third in the country in uh, in punt returns if he were if he had enough returns to be eligible. I think he's one short of the uh, the number to be ranked, and uh, he's averaging about 14 yards per punt return. But again, that's strength on strength for Carolina. The Carolina's punting unit has been very good in coverage with the exception of the one against uh, Virginia Tech, but they've been very good in, in, in punt coverage uh, on the year. So that's strength on strength, but you still, you know, you, you want to, you, you want to take note of Naheem Hines being back there. Again, there's some question as to how healthy he is, but he's a, a quality returner. The thing is that also makes it a little bit less likely that NC state tries to come after one and block one when they've got a guy like that that they're trying to set up returns for, which again, bodes in North Carolina's favor. The other thing is that, that Naheem Hines has dropped two punts. He's muffed two punts on the year. Uh, he hasn't lost either one of them, but he's dropped them. So again, even though he's a, a big-time returner, 14.1 yards per return, there's the possibility of a drop as well. So to me, this is one of those games where special teams may be a lot more of a factor than one would expect coming in I, I don't know if tom sheldon will be back this week or not he he missed the last game we don't know what the story there was but the thing about and he could be a, a key component of this last year i think north carolina may have had less than a half dozen punts returned for the entire year because sheldon just has a knack for being able to punt the ball and and negating a return he doesn't kick it 55 yards but he he kicks it so that the returner more often than not is going to fair catch it so it, it just be interesting to see if tom sheldon is uh, available this week uh, last week since they weren't playing an acc team they didn't have to produce an injury report but this week they do so one thing to keep an eye out on might be whether or not tom sheldon can go yeah, no doubt. And I think that's important, even though I will say Hunter Lent has been good on the year. I mean, you look at their averages, Tom Sheldon's averaging 45.8 per year, which is very good. And Hunter Lent is averaging 45.6 on the, uh, on the year, which is 0.2 yards behind. Now, the difference is, like you said, Sheldon, it's not just about distance. It's about how he's able to get hang time or and also directionally kick. He does a tremendous job of locating his kicks to to put returners in in disadvantageous positions when they ca- when if they're able to catch it. So yeah, I think that's one where you know, you talk about Naheem Hines not necessarily being out there. Well, Tom Sheldon actually is an important player in this game, uh, particularly since they're playing such a good defense 
on the other side, Carolina's going to have to punt a few times in this game. So the more hidden yards they can gain every time there's a punt, every time there's a kickoff, every time there's an exchange, Carolina, you know, they could be over 100 yards in the black, having a over 100 yards advantage in hidden yards on special teams after this week. And that's a big deal. That can win a game for you if you're able to maybe get another break here or there and, and play even everywhere else. Good stuff. Let's do our predictions. And, Buck, you hadn't been a part of these predictions a lot, so I'm going to put you on the spot first. Carolina, NC State, last game of the season for North Carolina, 3.30 in Carter-Finley Stadium. Well, you're not going to nail me down, so there's that. Um, <laughs> so uh, here's how I'm going to – <laughs> here's here's how I'm going to approach this. It, it's going to, I think, go one of two ways, and and neither one of those uh, results I don't think in a UNC win. I I just I don't see them winning this game. Be happy to be wrong, but I I don't see a win. But I, I think that either NC State just gets on a roll and you know starts rolling up points, and if they do. They're not going to stop rolling up points. They could, they would score hundred if they could against uh, UNC. On one hand, I would go with something like I don't know, fifty-two to seventeen or something crazy like that. On the other hand, you know this is a rivalry game in North Carolina. If 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 everything goes well, they could have a puncher's chance down the stretch. I still see State pulling it out in the end. And if it goes that way, I would think it'd be more something more like 34 to 17, 34. I'll go with 34, 17 since I have to pick a number. But, yeah, I don't see North Carolina winning this game. I wish I did. But I I think the numbers are there that uh, cast enough doubt on optimism that I'm going to go with those two scenarios. And I feel okay doing that since you hadn't asked my opinion so far this year. I will get two in instead of just one. <laughs> well, we nailed you down on a, a score, and you said 34-17 NC State. So you're, you hereby nailed down on that, and we will hold you to it. You know, it's better to be one in or, or three and eight than zero oh and one, in my opinion. Jason, your take on North Carolina, North Carolina State. I'm with Buck. I don't see. North Carolina winning this game as the most likely outcome. I do think this will probably be closer than the experts think, as Corso likes to say. If you look at NC State's uh, last few games and the level of their play the last few games, they've been their their quality has been decreasing a little bit over the course of the over the course of the season in terms of looking at their percentile performance, if you will, in, in terms of the statistical models. Uh, they were early in the year playing pretty well up until they played Notre Dame. And then they'd had some injury issues around that time. And they've been, you look at their percentile performances, again, using Bill Connolly's models, 17% at Notre Dame, 51% against Clemson, 35% against Boston College, 47% against Wake Forest. And that's, again, those are percentiles in terms of how well they played statistically versus what would be expected by any other team, by a decent team. So they've not been playing really good football the last few weeks. And, you know, I I think there's something to that. Thing is, North Carolina hasn't really played great football pretty much all year. 
though they have gotten a little bit of a boost in the last couple of weeks. So I think it's going to be a little closer than, than say it would have been a month ago. Uh, but I'm going to go with, with North Carolina state getting a win uh, something like say 30. And I think it'll be, I think there'll be some reason to think that Carolina has some chance to win in the second half, but I, I just can't, I can't buy that Carolina throws it well enough to win the ball, win, win this game. I think that's the real issue. So I'm going to go with, uh, with NC state winning this game. 31 to 20 uh, in this game. So narrowly covering, but I, again, I think the, the real issue is to beat this NC state team. They'll need to break a, a special teams player two and be able to throw it well enough down the field to challenge that, that defense. And I don't think they can do the latter. And I think that's, that's going to be the, the deciding factor. Good stuff guys, but you'll have to listen on the WCHL inside Carolina tailgate show for my prediction as I'm the host. I don't have to be Ooh. nailed down. So I will Ooh. reserve judgment. Got to think about it a little more. Eat a little bit of turkey and uh, pontificate. Jason Buck, appreciate you getting it done. Hope all our listeners and followers have a great Thanksgiving and look forward to talking to you again on the Inside Carolina Tailgate Show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.